is a Bulldog Radio podcast. The Ferris State Bulldogs have upset the nation's number two ranked team. Wide open. Taylor is going to take this one to the house. Touchdown Bulldogs. Season four, episode 15. Brandon, we're back. Finally, a little bit. A little bit of technical difficulties in the old office and the studio, but hey, when you have a 95 pro- or Windows 95 program running on a nine or what is it, our 90, 1995 computer running a 2023 program, yeah, it gets a little tough. But we're here, we're ready, we're ready to roll. We are ready to roll. Thank you guys for sticking with us. It's been a it's been a week uh, being able to figure out some of these uh, technical difficulties, but we're back and we actually have ideas for even better things. So you can stay tuned for that. Just a little sneaky peeky on the radar. Uh, might get any upgrades soon. Ooh, oh, I, oh, oh boy. boy. I already spilled the bag. Anyway, but thanks to Bulldog Radio for helping make this podcast possible. And more podcasts are coming too. You can get your voice heard and start your own podcast as well. But we got a loaded show today. We lots really to do, recap, Brandon. lots we to really preview. Do. Uh, there's a lot of good things on deck that we mm-hmm. unfortunately missed last week. Um, ha- we got yeah, we got a lot of stuff. It kind of happens when you don't have a show for a mo- week and a half. Yeah, we had a we had a five piece last week, right? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. Monday to recap. We'll get through all of that as well as preview this weekend's games. A lot of good ones on deck, uh, as well as the postseason coming up for a lot of these teams. Regional rankings starting to come out. We're seeing where some teams are kind of seated going into the final week. Um, so last move's going to be made and uh, a lot on deck so far. But we got a great interview today with Cindy Kubiak with Girls Cross Country. Uh, enjoyed talking with her, Joe. It's going to be a great interview. It really is. So without further ado, let's swing it on over. Now joined in studio, Ferris State Cross Country runner Sydney Kubiak has joined the show with us. Sydney, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> Sydney, thanks for coming on, taking time out of a busy schedule. Love to see that you're here. Uh, first question for you. Off week, Gleak's coming up, a whole bunch of stuff is changing the schedule. What's it kind of been like for a little bit different of a season, you know, a little bit prolonged, not as short, you know, how nice is that to kind of get a little bit more rest and relaxation in, in between weeks? Yeah, it's definitely a change because it's been my, out of four years, this is the first year that I've had an extra longer season, but it's been nice to have the extra time in between and to like recover more and have time to actually like do things on the other weekend just to help prepare myself for the next race yeah yeah for sure and for the people that probably don't know about what we're kind of referring to it's a festival year so all the sports um, in division two um, will be doing their championships on one weekend therefore all the seasons are kind of prolonged to that point making our cross-country season longer Uh, but overall I mean you guys had a great great race last week at Wayne State Uh, what were your overall thoughts individually as well as the team performance yeah um, that's the best I felt all season so I'm happy with that and it was nice to just be able to run the course that we're going to be competing on at GLIAX and be able to see what that's like and what we need to do for the next meet when it's the most important one. So Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And to go back to your high school days, went to Otsego High School. Now your team won two state championships. That's a huge accomplishment. What's kind of been the biggest change, I guess, for going from high school to college? I mean, you had the discipline and the culture to be able to win championships in high school, but what was kind of the biggest thing that you saw was the change? Uh, I feel like freshman year, just a new environment and – like you're in a dorm room, you're eating different meals. I feel like that was the hardest part and the biggest change for me. But I feel like the training and stuff, like 
was the same. Like I have a supportive coach in high school, supportive coach in college. And I feel like overall, just like probably just a different environment was the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of the environment, I mean, uh, as far as the girls team all together, it's a really good dynamic. You guys do a lot of fun stuff together. Just talk about being able to not only have like a a great group of team all around to practice and stuff, but out of practice, being able to even live with some of your teammates and just have that really cool experience. Yeah. uh, The past two years, we've had a big like underclass group and so I feel like it was nice to be able to bring that many people in and I feel like yeah everyone lives together everyone's super close whether you're running or you're eating or you're doing studying you're always with somebody on the team which is super cool and like I feel like that creates a good environment when you're competing yeah absolutely (laughs) for sure and especially going with the team aspect and stuff like that you know what's training kind of like especially you know if somebody's got a bad day what's that kind of like to you know be able for you to kind of help them you know pick it up and try to you know improve a little bit especially you know when if you might have a bad day what's that like to be able to have that support system I feel like since we have so many younger people and they're like I feel like they're playing a major role this year especially um it's nice when like let's say I don't feel so good and they step up for me and like they take my position or like same with anyone else like we're always I feel like the order changes constantly, in it, but everyone's running like the same times, which is super nice because it's like you don't feel the pressure. Like if I don't race good, like it's going to play a like bad part in it. But no, everyone else steps up for you, which is comforting to know that. That's really cool. Yeah. And especially for workouts, I know like on the, the men's side as well, like we have uh, kind of like tiered groups as far as like where everybody's ballpark and you can work together in workouts. And I'm sure you guys do too as well, just from observing. Uh, what are some of those interactions you've had with the groups? I mean, especially as recording this this morning, early 6 a.m. <laughs> workout, getting some good work in. But uh, just talk about the overall uh, dynamic, being able to work together with a lot of really high quality athletes, which you had at Otsego, I'm sure, uh, with the state championship program, but now a lot higher numbers here at Fair State. Yeah, like, well, especially today, like, we all step up to the line to start a rep and they're like, do you want to go in front or do you want? And I'm like, no, like you go, like you've been doing good. Like you step up, like you lead the pack. And I feel like it's nice to have that because people are like, no, like you get a chance to do this. You get a chance to like lead or push and like, yeah. That's really nice. I can't say the boys kind of do that. <laughs> it's just kind of dog eat dog. Well, somebody takes it and you just run with yep. it. But yeah. For sure. And especially, you know, as the season's kind of gone on, the weather's been changing a big amount. I mean, I mean, last week it was like 70 degrees, but this morning it was probably near 30 some yeah. uh, to get out on the track. What's that like for, you know, you and the team to have such like different changing in climate and weather? Uh, it's definitely a lot in the head and the nose when it starts to get <laughs> cold when you're used to 70 and then all of a sudden the next day is 30. But I feel like it's, I know we're going to be going longer into season, so it's going to be in colder temps. So it's nice to like, I guess it's nice that it started a little earlier so you can get adjusted to it by the end of the season when the most important races happen. So mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the team dynamic, I think, is number one of the number one things you uh, equate to cross country and uh, alert certainly the, the fun things that you can do with your teammates. What are some of those great experiences you've had? Uh, maybe not as far as far as racing, but maybe like off the racing surface and just hanging out and having a good time. One of our fun activities that we did together we always do pumpkin carving every year so we all got together and we carved pumpkins and so that was super fun I feel like we always try to do like movie nights or rather just like not everyone can make it I know all the time but we try to just like hang out whether it's just at my house and we all watch a movie together or like the whole team wise 
Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, I'm sure. I've seen I've seen a couple of times with the cross country teams at like the Rock or the Quad or something like that. That's really cool to oh, see. Yeah. But especially you know as seasons going on, Gleeks are coming up. What's like the big thing? Especially you know doing well in Gleeks is going to be a big goal. But you know what's kind of something that you're looking to do on the personal level and kind of individual wise? Um. Well, I'm definitely hoping to get a PR. I I'm running better than last year, which is a good thing. But I still it's a lot of pressure. I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, it's my last year. But I'm trying not to have that affect me. But just hopefully running faster, especially since we ran this course last week. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. For sure. Last question for you, Sydney. We ask every athlete that comes on the show, what's been your favorite thing about being here in Big Rapids and being a Fair State Bulldog? Um, Probably my favorite thing is just being part of, like, just a positive community. I feel like everyone's so welcoming and, like, you're able to grow. And I feel like just being a Bulldog represents, like, my connections and all the friendships that I've, like, made. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's so cool to see, especially, you know, college is something you really want to have a great experience with and to be able to have that, you know, such a great support group as a team is really cool. But Sydney, thank you so much for coming on the show, taking time out of your schedule, especially showing up this early, nine (laughs) nine in the morning. I mean, I know you had to get up at 6 a.m., but still, thank you very much. Thank you. Special thanks to Sydney for coming on the show as well as all the athletes we have on the show. We appreciate their time and just hearing their perspective, Joe, uh, just really enlightens me not only as an athlete, but I'm sure for you as well as a fan that it's just really cool to hear the behind the scenes on a lot of these athletes and how they perform in their sports. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's cool to kind of see them as well because I mean, D2 athletes is like as well, you kind of get more of an insight as a fan because it's not as kind of. I don't want to say serious, but it's not as kind of formal, I think, as D1. Yeah. So, but to be able to kind of get these interviews and stuff like that and be able to see what it's like to be a student athlete as well as, you know, what the insights are is just really cool. But, Brandon, without further ado, we'll hop right into the Fair State Sports Report. We're going to your expertise, hopping cross-country first. What's on the docket? Oh, yes. So, Wayne Challenge, the Warrior Challenge, as called um, on the website, uh, took place last week. Um, it went overall, I would say, fairly well. Um, some guys weren't all 100% going into the race uh, due to illness and uh, just uh, a lot of weathering things. But uh, I think that we competed well. I don't think the best part of the race was we had an okay race and we performed all right, but we weren't happy with it. And I think that was the, the really the cool part to me that stood out is nobody was satisfied with the way we performed. I think we were seventh overall as a team, um, which was okay, but I know we could do better. Um, a lot of the other teams also did like sit some guys out as well. Um, so you, you kind of take that with a grain of salt because uh, now two weeks from now um, or two weeks from this meet next week, uh, Fridays when it really counts, we'll be back in the same course at Wayne. It's a four looper. It's one of those where you got to be mentally engaged for four straight laps. And it's really hard in a, in especially um, a lot of these cross country courses that we're used to like Michigan State, uh, our own here at Khaki for Bulldog. Um, and a lot of these other courses are a variation of a two loop or a two and a half loop or something like that. Yeah. Going to four uh, is a lot. It doesn't seem like a lot. I mean, I'm sure people at home probably are using the commonality of laps on a track, but it's really not the same thing when you're going four like mile and a quarter loops as opposed to two two and a half mile loops. It's a much mm-hmm. different mental game. Um, so we got a look at the course, the the hill. 
um, is certainly a little bit more challenging the third and fourth time around than I certainly was <laughs> expecting. So, because uh, I consider Hills a strong suit of mine, but that that Hill kind of ate a little bit of my lunch on Friday or uh, last Saturday, I should Took say. But it won't there. be taking it next Friday. And guarantee Absolutely. that we got some great work. You're gonna in. bring the hammer down, Brandon. Oh yeah. So. Uh, there was great performances uh, across the board. Donis Harris led the men's squad 26-11 was his final time, followed by Noah Griffith and Dan Hardesty. Great races from them, 26-23. Uh, myself coming in behind at 26-49 was my final chip time. Um, and then Nate Alford round out the top five at 27-07, um, as well as a lot of PRs from the rest of the guys down the board. Uh, and the women's team also did very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, they finished second. Place. second that was big time. Yeah, in the meet. And for some reason, I think that it must be Northern and Michigan Tech didn't run their all their top seven because theoretically head-to-head, like the girls were top ten in the region coming into this race. Yeah. And they beat two of the other teams that were a couple spots ahead, not only like nine and eight, like six and seven almost, yeah. or six and eight. I can't remember the exact variation of what the regional rankings were. Mm-hmm. And they did not flip them at all, and they didn't even crack into the the national ranking, which was a possibility. Um, so they must have been uh, sitting some runners out, which I think a lot of other teams yeah. did as well. So uh, I guess Burrow that's had, understandable, and they had the insight that we don't yeah. have to. Edinburgh kind of, I mean, they have a flip flop of everything. They got they had one two finish with twelve, and then they just had a whole. 70, 79, 80 second finish. Yeah, they their teams quite the polar opposites there. Yeah, quite the polar opposites. But uh, I mean, they're a very talented school as well. But uh, overall, a lot of great overall finishes as well. Um, I mean, the women raced very, very well. They were competitive. Whitney Farrell, uh, the freshman, led with a twenty two forty eight, followed by uh, Sydney Kubiak twenty two fifty five, um, as well as Melina Strauss, Danae Feldsposh. Um, at 2308 and 2311, and then Hannah Brock with 2323 to round out the top five for Ferris State. And a, a lot of PRs as well for some of the, the underclassmen as well. They pre- performed very well. Um, and this course wasn't necessarily like, it's not like a Louisville or a Lewis. It's not flat as a pancake. It's not going to be blazing fast, but it's almost a, a race of attrition. Getting up and down that hill four times or three times for the ladies is definitely, what are you going to do the last lap? That's really the mm. difference because you'll go, you'll get through the first lap. It'll go by like just a snap of your finger, and then the second and the middle laps, you're still you're still there, but you're starting to feel it. And then the last lap is where either you hit the brick wall or you break through it running, and then you're gonna even increase your speed and your mental drive to get through that last lap. So I know for me personally, the fourth lap was a little bit of a struggle, and that's what kind of made me teeter off a little bit because I know I wanted to get a better time than what I ended up finishing. Uh, I wasn't feeling 100% though either, and I know a lot of our other guys and ladies weren't as well. So uh, the effort was definitely there. We got to look at the course. That's what we came there for. Um, so now we know exactly what we're looking into. We will use that into training this last week. We got some great hill work in on some uh, on some looped uh, overall routes. Like So we went over towards uh, the soccer fields and ran some of those hills on the loops, which I think is a great simulation. Um, of what the course really is like. So um, overall, that went really well, and we just had our workout this morning. Joe, I woke up at 6 a.m. this morning to get some solid uh, work in. Everybody did, and they got some uh, some really good work. So so um, to see. We'll be ready. GLIAX will be fun. GLIAX is the toughest conference, so we're ready for the challenge. And, uh, I mean, right now I believe there's seven teams nationally ranked. There should be eight, um, but one of the teams, Wayne State, is uh, was uh, injured last week, so they haven't gotten all their guys back as well. There's seven so, of us. Uh, there's t- there's eight 
GLIAC teams from the, or no, there's eight Midwest teams from in the national rankings, and I believe there's five or six of them from the GLIAC. Holy, that's, dude. That's how fast our region is. GD. Yeah. I know I've said a lot that it is, but I think that data right there speaks for no, itself. No, yeah. I mean, it that's, that's just straight up. It's the, like no other conference is going to be doing that. No, not at all. So. G, the GLBC Represent. and the GMAC are also very fast nah, too. So nah, as fast as Gliac. they no nope. technically do aren't. They have six, do but they have six people in support in of them, the region. Oh, it's elite. Oh, region. The Midwest a region is elite. You can't handle country. the yeah. You can't handle us. It's fine. Yeah, can't take the heat out of the kitchen. Yeah, you know what they say? Absolutely. Let the big dogs eat. I'm kind of hungry now for some chicken. Dude, I didn't eat breakfast this morning. <laughs> it's I had some I'm toast sorry. after the workout, but it didn't fill me up. To be I honest, I was hungry when I went to bed last night. That's not weird, good. Because I ate like an hour before I went to bed, and I just like was sitting in bed. I was like, dang, I'm getting hungry. What time did you go to bed? Like 11.30. Oh, boy. Oh, man. I didn't get to bed till like 1.30, though, because I couldn't sleep. Oh, that's tough. College life is hard, guys, but it can be enjoyable, as long as you get your sleep. You got to get that sleep schedule down. That's true. Circadian rhythm is, well, circadian. I don't know what that is, but I'll look into it. Circadian rhythm. Yeah, that's how you say Maybe it. We need some, what's it called, melatonin? Yeah. The thing that helps sleep. Maybe I have to get on yeah, that train. You can't take it every night, though, because then can't? you get hooked on it. Oh, and then like you addictive? won't fall asleep because your well, body's used it? to taking it. Yeah, oh. without it. So if it's like, if you need to, like, you're physically tired and you can take it, uh, like, if you need to pound out a really hard nap if you're not feeling good or something, um, then you can, or you can on occasion. But yeah. I know, like, a couple people um, that have taken it over to like and consistently it taking it like to really, help fall asleep and now they can't sleep without doesn't it doesn't it give you like really vivid dreams uh well you're pretty much knocked into deep REM sleep so yeah basically that's it's the heaviest sick. sleep you can have basically oh that's kind of sick no, yeah no so hey dr brandon on I, the case, also, I guess if you drink apple juice before you go to bed you get vivid dreams really yeah i, can't I don't know say that, i've heard that one let me do some investigating investigating this does is not part of the fair state sports report we will finish though folks apple juice Give you vivid dreams. That's a great search history item right there. Oh, never mind. There is no conclusive evidence yet. Oh, that's a shame. But if you drink milk, milk contains melatonin. So it does. Maybe that's why you drink warm milk before you go to bed. Mm. Ah, who would have thought? Ah, All right, let's move on to the Fair clicking. State Sports Report. Anyway, so there's your fun fact of the day. Milk contains Dr. Brand, or Dr. Worth and Dr. Nagy so in the I'm house I'm going to chug a half gallon of milk, of milk <laughs> before I go to bed tonight. <laughs> oh, anyway. Uh, let's go to the gridiron. Gridiron? Football. Football, yes. So we snuck away. Michigan Tech. That was scary. That wasn't pretty, but we got the job done. 28-20. the job done. Yes, 28-20 was the final. Uh, top tagger moved to six and one, two and one in Gliac play. Um, we were down ten nothing early, Joe, and I know you were at this game mm-hmm. um, while we were running, and I was following along online. Um, Carson Golker looked very promising. There was a couple times where he had some a little errant throws, but a little bit. I mean, overall, I mean, I think he showed more now that he can throw the football a little bit more than we kind of gave him credit for going into the season. It's just a running threat. He can sling it a little bit. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he was kind of playing pretty well. There's a couple of situations where I think he, you know, could have threw it away instead of. There's a couple of times where he kind of like got forced out of the pocket where it was a little bit uncomfortable. But he definitely showed a little bit more of dual threat instead of just his running ability, which was good to see. I'm pretty sure Malik is out now for the rest of the season, so it's gonna be, be it's gonna be the Evan and Carson show, which is 
you know, the it's going to be a interesting scene, especially for Northern this week, because uh, Northern's coming off a big loss against uh, Grand Valley. So hopefully we can kind of do the same thing there. But, you know, with Evan, he's kind of a guy who doesn't always make the greatest decisions on, with his throwing. And Carson is kind of is kind of a guy who's still developing his throwing ability. Uh, so it's going to be pretty interesting to see where it goes. But, yeah, when Michigan Tech went up 10-0 in the first quarter, I was like, what is going on? Because mm-hmm. our uh, – well, I mean, I can tell you what was happening. Just no holding was getting called. Like, that's the big reason why. Really? Yeah. Because, hmm. I mean, uh, that defense wasn't really doing super great, but – People were getting held. I mean, we were holding people too, so that was kind of the yeah. same thing. But, dude, Michigan Tech's quarterback is pretty legit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, Will Ark, he's, he was he on. He was the, slinging it. Yeah. He was slinging it. 26 of 50, and that was the biggest thing I saw, and I was kind of, I was kind of following the game along uh, online, looking at the live stats, checking out the video every now and then. Uh, our, uh, he, they caused a little bit of problems for our secondary a little bit. They yeah, were, they, they were, were spreading the ball around, especially in the first half. They were tossing. Yeah, like it was, it was a little bit different than what we're seeing. So. Uh, I mean, they really kind of showed us a little bit of a a little bit of a weakness. I wouldn't say like our secondary is very good. They didn't play as well as I'm sure they would have liked to, and that got exposed a little bit because uh, normally they don't get thrown on 300 yards. That's not usually no, yeah, something you see. Um, so I mean, we definitely brought a little bit of pressure. Probably not as much as we had liked to. Uh, but I think overall, like the game just kind of looked like it came out a little stale. Like we were just kind of. Like, yeah, but we, I mean, you, you can chalk that up. I mean, nobody on this team is lost. Yeah. Everybody from that loss in 2017 team is not there. So all these yeah. guys are so – I think it was just like coming – they've never had to come off a loss before mm-hmm. or like come off a loss in the regular season before. Yeah. So it's like just a little bit different, you know? Yeah, caught up a little bit. But we ended up getting the job done. I thought the biggest point of the game, Tyrese's fourth quarter catch yeah, after the pick six. Huge, huge game changer right there. I mean, you get it within a score off of a pick six. Michigan Tech had all the momentum and then able to score on the very next play from scrimmage. Absolutely crucial. 70-some yard bomb. Yeah, just an absolute bomb. He finished with four catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown. C.J. Jefferson, four for 39, as well as Brand Childers, Marcus Taylor, two catches and four catches uh, apiece, respectively. Uh, Carson Goker, 7 of 13, 174 mm-hmm. TD and an interception. Evan was also 8 of 12 for 68 yards. Uh, Goker led the rushing attack, 23 yards, 100, or 23 yards, ha, 23, 23 attempts, attempts yep. for 103 yards. Mm-hmm. Three touchdowns. Picked up the Gleak Offensive Player of the Week, too. Yes, congratulations to Carson. Huge Give him a clap for that. Program. Well done. Uh, Marcus Taylor also 11 carries for 60 yards. He seems to now, Joe, be, looks like the go to guy out of the backfield. For this Ferris State team. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that was interesting to see. I, I'm i not like the – it's good. I think it should kind of be more where he's they move him to the outside because when they move him up the middle, the guy's you know 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, so he's not the biggest guy. He has explosive speed, but I don't think he has the ability to you know ground and pound and get four or five yards of carry because we've seen already there's a lot of times where you get stopped at the goal line because you got guys – I mean, especially when we saw Grand Valley. I mean, they got guys that are six – just mountains you they, you got the appliance line is basically what it is the you got refrigerators line. on the offensive line <laughs> and you're not going to really be able to push through that but the guy's crazy fast when he gets to the outside and that's kind of the upside for him because we've seen him bust out you know 20 yard runs out of nothing when he gets a little bit of space because he's shifty and he's he's shifty he's fast he's smart with where he has where he goes on the field but for him to go move to rb1 that wasn't something i was expecting at the start of the year but it's you know I'm liking it so far. He's been doing a really good job. 
Yeah, I think it's changed the way that defenses approach how to defend some of our guys. We can move them inside now yeah. uh, and run the football a little bit because, you know, obviously normally when you see receivers running the football, it's usually jet sweeps, some sort of RPO across mm-hmm. the line of scrimmage um, from the slot or the outside positions, now bringing them all the way in. Now they're going to be seeing that run. Now you have the ability to fake those play action. Now you got routes coming up the middle as well. And I think it's definitely going to open up the offense mm. over time. It's a, it's a little bit a bit of a big brain play, I think. A little bit of a um, big brain move by from, big Tony Anise. Yeah, from the coach Anise offense. So, uh, But overall, I think the offense uh, got the job done. Defense uh, definitely locked down in crucial parts of this game, especially the second and third quarter, uh, able to hold Michigan Tech scoreless. They got a little bit of momentum down the stretch, throwing the ball a little bit. Um, but we ended up sealing the deal um, mm-hmm. to get another victory. Javon Bayless had six tackles in this game, one and a half for a loss. Cindy McLeod with a pick, another one for Big him. Um, Ian Hall had a half a sack as well as Jordan Jones uh, teaming up for a, or a sack, or a combined sack, I should say, as well as Caleb Murphy added to his enormous total now with one sack as well. Um, Cintel Williams also led with five tackles for the DBs. Uh, and a couple pass breakups for Justin Pye, uh, Jakarve Alexander, and Sidney McLeod. So those are the overall stats, and we saw a lot of good things. Oh, Ian Hall also forced fumble. I forgot yeah, about that in the middle I of the game. I saw that, so yeah. That was also one mentioning. He's been out of terror lately. Dude, yeah. He's been kind he's of been playing he's re- been That defensive line has been playing really well. The secondary has also been playing yeah. really well. Uh, but teams are starting to now notice, like, yeah, we're going to have to take six guys to stop yeah. this defensive line, which I, they they did some of that on Saturday, and it was working a little bit, giving them time to throw it. But, I mean, if you're going to have to use six guys, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big statement if you're going to have to take an extra lineman to stop some of this pass rush. Yeah, and it's kind of tough, too, because it'll kind of open up something. It'll make it so that way, you know, secondary can kind of do a little bit more work. Linebackers can get moved in there because if you're going to have to double two or three, two guys on the offense, on our defensive line, it's really going to open it up, especially for our defense to really succeed. When you kind of have to, you know, be able to try to negate our pass, or yeah, our pass rush and our run rush, too, has been pretty solid. Uh, you know, we had a little bit of hiccup against Grand Valley, but I think we were able to pick that up, but... When you got guys that can, you know, beat double teams pretty consistently, it's really scary for opposing offenses. Yeah. So now we move on to Northern. We'll be taking them on the bus, I believe, leaving this afternoon. Going to the Superdome. Um, or even actually probably this morning. Or Superior Dome. Is yeah, the Superior Dome uh, will be where they'll be playing this weekend. Um, they've played all right. I mean, they got throttled by Grand Valley last week. They played in some competitive games against Davenport and Michigan Tech recently, as well as beating Wayne State. Uh, a long time ago. Um, so I think this will be a good matchup for us to get back on track. Um, overall, I think we need to see. Um, I th- I think we just, we I know that the Northern's going to throw a lot of different looks at us, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Um, they're a team that likes to be a little bit creative. Um, they're probably going to run the football maybe a little bit more than they would like to. I mean, they've been an okay team in that category, but they've certainly um, really had to improve then over the last couple of years. So uh, I think this will definitely be one of those games where um, you'll probably see them really mix it up. They're going to be probably throwing maybe a 50-50 mm-hmm. split at you, maybe even more heavy passing. Um, just judging off of a, a couple of their past performances, um, games that they've played better, they've thrown the ball more, so maybe you can see that too. But uh, I think it'll definitely come down to how the line of scrimmage is established. And uh, really, I think this is going to be a game where uh, what are we going to do to set the tempo early and keep our foot on the gas? Because uh, we're a team that 
we're accustomed to seeing that. We love to get out to a 10 nothing lead early and really just lock in from there. Mm-hmm. And the last couple of games, we haven't done that. And I mean, especially from last week, kind of be on the opposite end of that. We've shown we can come back, um, but making a statement here would be crucial for the team's confidence moving forward. Yeah, that's going to be one thing. Uh, just getting out early, like you said, Brandon, is going to be the one. That's one thing that we've struggled, especially against you know Grand Valley when we played them, when we played Michigan Tech, even when we've been playing like other teams, you know, all throughout this season. We haven't seen what we were able to do last year. I mean, Saginaw Valley, we came up to a big one, but then it just was a struggle of keeping that foot on the gas because we gave them a little bit of light. They ran with it, and it was a little bit closer of a game than we wanted to. You know, it's really just against Finley and Waldorf was the ones where we came out hot and we stayed hot throughout the whole game. So just kind of working out those kinks a little bit, especially against Northern, going up to the Superior Dome, uh, you know, a big road trip, kind of getting locked in early. That's going to be the big deal. But Northern has kind of been struggling, especially putting points on the board. A lot of their wins that they've gotten, other than the Wayne State game, was kind of the last. And Wayne State and Post, uh, kind of early on in the season, they've put out a lot of points on the board. But they haven't scored more than, you know, 25 in the last four, three games against Davenport, which Davenport is a team who, you know, nationally ranked and they're, you know, top of the GLIAC, but their schedule hasn't really been showing much of a, you know, reason to why they should be at that high, especially I'm trying to pull up their who they've played so far because I don't think they've played Grand Valley or anything like that. But still, Northern Michigan is going to be a team that's going to kind of cause a little bit of fits. You're definitely going to be wa- going to be watching out, but I think secondary is going to pick it up. I think especially what they if they want to try to, give their quarterback some time to make some decisions. They're going to be sending a lot of people for their offensive line. So I think their offense is going to be spread a little bit thin all throughout, and our offense is going to be able to pick it up uh, where the defense leaves off. For sure. You can follow the coverage, Sunny 97.3 on Saturday. Rob and Sandy Goldson will be on the call uh, for that one, and we wish the Bulldog football team the best of luck. Absolutely. Anyway, over to the ice. Starting tonight, 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 Friday and Saturday, St. Thomas is coming to town. The Tommies will be taking on the Bulldogs tonight. And Saturday should be some fun contests. I'll be on the call with Harrison for Friday night's game. So looking forward to that. Uh, These are two crucial games. Because St. Thomas is a team. Obviously, we're ranked ahead of them preseason polls. We need to beat these two games. We know we can beat them. Two games that we need W's here. Correct. We need two. We know we can beat anybody on our schedule. We know it. We've proven it. We've beaten the top teams at least once over the last couple of years. Even the number two ranked Mavericks. Swept Bemidji and Bemidji when they were ranked Correct. top 25 last year. We know that. So we got to take, we if we can take them in twos, that's what makes this team a playoff team compared mm-hmm. to a playoff contender. Yeah. That's really the difference is being able to take it for two games. We know we can bounce back or come out with the energy to win one in the series. But if we can take two that's a huge statement, and it's as much analysis as that's probably um, discrediting us for being that simple. That's really what it is, because we've shown that we can win games being more conservative, taking quality looks over quantity, and we've shown that we can win throwing 40 shots on net. And the way that we've played, like we saw, we see the tempo. We have great transitions. We got a lot of breakaways uh, in that last game on Saturday against Canisius when they won four to one. We had a couple great chances there. Uh, where we're we're really getting better at scoring in those one-on-one scenarios. We've been better in the penalty kill as well uh, the last two games. So if we can keep that going, uh, our goaltenders stay locked in, we can be great in transitions uh, and finish a lot of chances. We've had a lot of open chances, but we had like, I think, six breakaways, I want to say, in that Canisius game. So we could have made it 7-1, mm-hmm. even if we converted like half of those. 
Like that, it's just well, the numbers don't lie in that category. Like we can score four goals a game. It's just we gotta execute. We gotta stay in the zone for 60 minutes, and especially the third period. And we're, I think we saw we did a great job of that Saturday uh, last Saturday. I thought that was one of the best games that at least I've seen them play in recent memory, as far as staying locked in the entire. I mean, losing Luke Farthing right out of the gate was a huge blow. I mean, mm-hmm. five minutes right off the right off the bat on the power play, they're able to kill it off. Uh, thankfully, had the extra skater rule, of course, to let Brandon McLaren get back in uh, and help in the lines as well. So. I think this could be a huge weekend for us. I'm looking forward to seeing this team being very confident and hopefully play really well. Um, St. Thomas is going to come with a vengeance because they have certainly had us on the radar, I'm sure, all season. They know that we can, or they have a chance to take one from us, but uh, I think this could be a weekend. We take two. I think that springs our momentum in a huge way, having um, some tough contests coming up with teams like Bemidji State and Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. And uh, St. Thomas was a team that hit the transfer portal pretty hard. I think uh, some of them picked up, but I know their top goal scorer uh, went to another school. I forget which one it was, but I was reading that up on an article or whatever. But coming off a uh, you know a tough weekend against Penn State in Penn State, uh, two six loss the first day, and then yeah, almost picking up the W two to three the second day. Still lost that one, but against Penn State, who you know is one of the top teams in the Big Ten, one of the best or one of the best, if not the best, uh, hockey conference. I mean, aside from the NCHC, you know, you're you're seeing a lot of really talented hockey. But St. Thomas was a team last year who we thought we were just going to roll, seeing that they were, you know, the newest team to D1. But they gave us fits. Got we gave them, sadly, gave them their first ever win in D1. But I think, especially with this one, we're a new look team. Uh, I think we're you know, got a little bit different of a look to us, especially, you know, hosting them at home. It's going to be coming off the bye. I think that's going to be a good thing too, giving us a lot of rest because Canisius was what? Canisius, or was it Western Michigan or Canisius? That was like four games in eight days. Uh, it's something like that. It was a, it was a tough stretch. Yeah. So we were rested. We're ready to go. We're going to get back to kind of a regular schedule for a little bit uh, upcoming. I mean, off the bye. Just St. Thomas is a team that we can't overlook because I think we did that a little bit last year, seeing that they were kind of a new team. And then, you know, it bit us in the butt, especially with the split. So getting the sweep here is going to be a big one because it's going to be – these two games are pretty crucial for late game standings or late season standings, especially seeing that the CCHA is pretty wide open right yeah, now. Yeah. You know, Minnesota State hasn't been playing as good as mm-hmm. they should be. Northern Michigan is kind of running up the table now. Bowling Green, Lake State, Michigan Tech, and uh, – What's the other one? Bemidji. Bemidji. All kind of in the same boat, especially with us. So if up we can get down. these if we can get these two wins, it'll jump up. I think we have I think we do have a chance. If we get the split, then we're near the top of the table, right? In yeah. point standings. Start it up. Not everybody's, you know, looking like they were last year, especially with a lot of these teams that we thought were gonna kind of jump out. But St. Thomas is a team that can do a lot of disrupting, especially with this year, and the transfer portal, players developing, just the program developing as a whole, kind of just adapting to that D one level. But it's going to be a good one, and I'm excited to take on the Tommies. It's going to be a very fun one. Can't wait to hear you on the call, Brandon. Yeah, you, you got a pretty sick uh, pretty sick feature on the CCHA when Stepan got the number one goal. That was pretty sick. There's nowhere he could go on that no play. Way. There really wasn't. That was Not really. I mean, absolute nasty. It was a nice, easy little. Absolute filth. Absolute. Absolute filth from Stepan. I hope today. that the boys get me opportunities oh, for yeah, more calls today. in the CCHA. So. I forgot it was Friday. Yeah, it's Friday. It's big time. Woo. Dude, we got a big slate of working to do. We got a big slate. A couple long days ahead, but some good long days uh, with hockey and, of course, volleyball, as well as we'll transition over volleyball. there. Big one tonight, 5 p.m., 
fell or the team from Allendale coming down to play us. So that's going to be a fun Anchor one mode. for sure, as well as the um, the alumni appreciation game. I think you could kind of dub this game. I, it's not officially called that, but uh, so I, the alumni are coming. Yeah, they're game. calling all alumni to come back for that Saturday three o'clock game against Purdue Northwest. So probably yep. be some festivities there. Um, Grand Valley is a team that. Uh, doing the research, of course, coming in uh, for the broadcast, learned a lot about how good they are on the road. Seven and two on the road this season. The Shoot, Lakers man. are. They're playing really well on the road, um, but we have played really well at home. So this is going to be a fantastic matchup. Grand Valley is a team that is very heavy on the offensive side. They are really, really good at creating a lot of opportunities. The transition from offense to defense uh, is something that they've, I think, had a little bit of struggle with. Um, as far as just looking straight at the numbers, obviously we'll see um, them in person tonight and we can make a better judge of that. But, I mean, for us, really, stopping momentum swings going to be crucial because that's really where we got kind of mm. bit in the butt against Wayne State, um, which we, that was the last time we played at home. Um, or not the last time we played at home. The last time we played at home last week um, in our first loss in, a, in quite some time at home. Um, but I think really coming back after that, we saw them really put the hammer down against Wisconsin Parkside. Blake State, we didn't play as well. Uh, I think you can kind of take that into account. It was a Monday afternoon game. It was kind of a it was a really cool thing for all the elementary schools to bring all of the, yeah. the kids to come watch. That, that was really cool. That was really loud. Um, it got really hot in there. No, it did get really hot in there. I did, I'm glad you noticed that because I was like, Taking off like layers, I'm like yeah, God, no, I showed up in a sweatshirt sweating. and sweatpants. I was like, dude, I gotta take off this sweatshirt. Yeah, it's like just crazy. But uh, Lake State was also playing some of their best volleyball going into that yeah, match they too. Pretty so solid. They weren't bad. Like if I told you that team had four wins going into the game, you would have been like, not look like, no it. chance. They look like, look like an it. actually great motivated team. So you could kind of see the the little bit of uh, disparities there. But I think they really played well, and I think really. Gave us a little bit more fits than we would have liked. So mm-hmm. we still got the 3 nothing win, and now we got Grand Valley. We beat this team earlier this year in Allendale. It took four sets, but after the first set, we locked in from there. Um, going to need a lot of that because Grand Valley is going to be a team that's going to really look to throw the momentum table uh, completely at us. So are we going to break through the table, or are we going to let it land on top of us? That's really mm-hmm. the biggest thing going into this one. Yeah. That's the one thing. Uh, Davenport, especially now, especially if you look at regional rankings, Davenport is ahead of us in the region, but in the conference, they have two more losses than us. They did give us one of the losses, so that's kind of one thing. I don't think we're going to be able to host. I think that's out of the question now because you have, what, Quincy, Ashland, and Davenport have high records. So kind of huge for us, seeing that if Ferris has to go play Grand Valley for football, we can go watch that one, but I uh, don't have to have those 12-hour days anymore. Oh. Like last year, that was... That was a little oh, tough, but not everybody hosting definitely. Yeah, that's pretty pretty huge for the program. Not gonna lie. Yeah, it's some of those that may not have known. We had twenty two sporting events on campus. Dude, that was the worst. In four days, it and was crazy. Two days of that, dude. That Friday for regionals or whatever, had to get there at nine a.m., which wasn't that bad. But I was there till like ten thirty. Yep. Because I had to work volleyball till like seven, seven or eight. And then I had to go work hockey. Yeah. Right after that. that yeah. That was the worst. That was the worst day for your boy to get COVID. Let me tell you what. Yeah, that was tough, brother. That was tough. I put a lot of people in a bad spots. And I appreciate yeah, it. Come on. I appreciate everybody for helping me out. Yeah, I'll just try not to get sick next time. Um but just have a better immune system. It's not that hard. It's, it's hard. <laughs> it's already depleted as it is. But uh yeah, gonna be crucial, Grand Valley. That's all I gotta say. No hype, motivation necessary. Just it's seeing the time. GV in the 
in the black and blue across from you. I think it does just five enough. Five o'clock. So five o'clock. Be there tonight. Now there's a couple teams going to support. Um, so that'll be fun for sure. And then, of course, the alumni will be checking in for that Purdue Northwest game on Saturday. Uh, be at 3 o'clock. We'll probably see a lot of players playing that one. So mm-hmm. uh, that'll be fun to see a lot of those uh, underclassmen maybe get some playing time. But Absolutely. Uh, wrapping it up soon. Got to get moving up in the GLIAC standings. We're sitting pretty right now. Uh, but Davenport's right there. So you're going to have to hold on for dear life. And we're going to be playing them next week as well as Saginaw. Mm-hmm. But rounding Good out the Bears State Sports Report, women's soccer is in the final regular season game today going on probably right now if you're listening or maybe right before. It's a 1 o'clock game, early start. You scared um, me. I thought you said right now. I was like, why are they playing at 9 a.m.? No, no, no. <laughs> By the time this episode probably gets published and maybe after the lunch break when you finally get to pop on and uh, hit, this, hit the play button, it might be, well, 1 o'clock. But uh, that would be crazy, though. 9 o'clock game, dude. Ugh, no. I would not be having that. 9 p.m. IM games stink. Those are awful, but that's the worst. That's the, that is what it is. But uh, the Cardinals certainly are gonna present a challenge. Uh, they gave us some fits earlier this season, but our offense has really improved over the last couple games. I mean, we had that obvious draw, that drought against Northern Michigan uh, at home on last Sunday, but we got the win against Michigan Tech. Um, I would anticipate because Northern's also a really good team, and yeah. the only ties we've had so far this season have been from. Grand Valley and Northern Michigan, the top two teams, uh, and then mm-hmm. the Cardinals of Saginaw Valley. At well, we've home. tied what three of the last four? Uh, no, the two of the last three. Oh uh, yeah. Yes, but still, like but it's been like within one goal the past five. Right, games. we haven't we haven't eclipsed more than two goals in the last five games, and that's really kind of something that you want to see maybe bust out a little bit. That would be huge for the program. We're able to do that, um, but I mean, it's really going to be. Absolutely crucial this weekend to get the offense going. Uh, Saginaw is certainly a team that presents a lot of challenges. Uh, I mean, in that last September 30th matchup, uh, they answered us in the second half with an equalizer after we came out with the momentum on just an absolute torch. Izzy Zambrini scored in the first five minutes, if you remember that. But uh, they brought, really brought the energy in the second half, and they did really well uh, on set pieces, uh, and they certainly are going to probably play us pretty physical, um, kind of like a little bit of last week's matchup, but expect a lot of speed as well. Who's going to get to the ball first and a lot of those 50-50 balls, and who's able to counterattack really well could be the answer in this one. Yeah, especially seeing you know they held us to, last time we saw them, they held us to a lot of bad shots, I'd say. We lit it up with the shot category, just shots on goal we are kind of falling apart in, and I think that's going to be the big one. And that's one thing that we improved on, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, these last few weeks, we've really seen the offense get quality looks and get a lot of, you know, scares for their for the opposing goalkeepers, and that's kind of the big thing is, you know, if you get shots on net, it doesn't matter if it's right if the goalkeeper makes your struggle or something like that. It makes the defense just a little bit more depleted, and if you keep on doing that, then it's going to be a big time, big time decision where you're going to get goals going. But especially against Saginaw Valley, they're not going to lay over. I mean, we saw a really good competition, which is good from you know these last three opponents: Grand Valley, Michigan Tech, and Northern Michigan. All teams who are you know good in the GLIAC. Their records may or may not show it, but these guys, these teams are you know great precursors to Saginaw Valley, who's not you know the greatest team that we've ever seen. But it just seems like they have our kryptonite for some reason, mm-hmm. and it's going to be especially with this game coming up on Gleax, especially coming up on uh, you know late season tournaments, and you know uh, especially for NCAA standings and stuff like that. You want to get this one, you want to get a big one because you know you want to have that momentum going to the Gleax tournament uh, coming up on Tuesday. Yeah, going to be huge. Seating is up for grabs, and last ditch to move up. Got to win these on this final game. 
um, to, to solidify that right now, sitting, I believe, at third in the GLIAC standings, if I remember correctly. I believe so. Um, just trailing Northern and Grand Valley, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, definitely. Up for it. I don't. Th- actually, we're second. Oh, we're second, mm-hmm. actually. Grand Valley's number one. Ferris is number two. Northern's three. Saginaw Valley, four. Tech, five. Davenport, six. Parkside, seven. North mm. PNW. Interesting. Eight. But yeah, yeah getting staying in second crucial because that yeah, matchup because we're seven one and five. Northern Michigan seven two and four. Oh, they did that. Uh, that makes sense now because I was because I I remember we were tied, but then going in, I think Northern lost a game to Saginaw, and that was what oh, yeah, flipped that's them what over. Was. Yeah, exactly. So now it's as crucial as ever, right? Uh, you're going to be playing either you said who the seven seed was instead of Davenport. Uh, the seven seed is hold up, Parkside. Yeah, a team we've had a lot of success against. That'd be that'd be a huge win um, to solidify that matchup um, moving into the postseason. So get a win, ladies. We're wishing you the best of luck. That game probably going on right now. If you're just listening, you can follow the live stats at FairStateBulldogs.com. But uh, final touch-up here before we get to the break. Shout-out to basketball with the win and the, <laughs> the really good alumni game. Uh, I should Alumni say win. Both, really teams, fun. both teams kind of won, I guess you could yeah, say. It's more um, just kind of a joke around type thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. But it, you, it, you take it seriously still, but I mean, it's it's still just an alumni yeah, game. Fair State, Fair State University won in that game. It was yeah. cool to see all the alumni back um, and just seeing a lot of the great players being able to play once again. But the team looks good. Um, they're going to be playing against Calvin on Saturday, 7 o'clock. Ooh, so that'll be a little fun exhibition there for them. And it should be a really fun contest to see where this team's at. Mm-hmm. So, I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah. It's, I don't know if we're going to be able to watch it much because uh, Saturday's going to be a pretty busy day. I'm going from volleyball to basketball to, uh, what's it called? Hockey. Hockey. Yeah, yeah. that's sport. Yeah. Let's do that's that sport. hockey. Yeah, let's do that <laughs> hockey. That's going to be fun. But I think, especially coming off this game, Calvin's a good team. Uh, you know, on, They're D3, right? Uh, Yeah. Or are they D2? No, I, can't I know they switched to Calvin University a couple years ago, but yeah, I don't know if they D3. have the numbers to be. D3. Yeah, D3, because they play at Cornerstone and Hope and all that stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, but yeah. they're still a good team. They have a very deep-rooted culture in basketball. They've, yeah. been, a, they've been a solid team for a for long sure. time. If you've been able to kind of follow West Michigan colleges and what the basketball scene has been like for that, but getting a good win against these this team against the, uh, the Knights of Calvin is going to be big time, especially seeing how we got to go make a trip to the big house on November 4 against not not the what is it? what's their basketball arena? What is it? Michigan's basketball arena. Chrysler. Chrysler, that's what it is. Oh, that's <laughs> like, big house, but I was like, like wait, ain't what? no way oh, football's yes. playing against Michigan football. That would just be a bloodbath. But oh my gosh, gotta take on the Wolverines. Oh, exhibition match. Oh brother, oh, that's gonna be tough. That's I can't wait fun. to see Vegas against Hunter Dickinson. Oh yeah, what a matchup that'll be, dude. Vegas gonna lock him down straight. Oh up. yeah, straight lockdown. Go Vegas. How we tall got is you in that match. Like six nine. Uh, six ten or six nine. One of the two. One of the two. Yeah, Hunter Dickinson is seven no foot, match. Seven foot oh so. Ve- yeah, Vey has got the. But he's got the, the heart. He's got yeah. the dog you ever seen in him. Come on to move now. Laterally, laterally, he looks like a baby deer right out of the womb. <laughs> Vey is a prancing gazelle. I can't get that description out of my head. Oh my gosh, Joe. Uh, I mean, I hope, it's true. Uh, Vey has mo- got that movement on him. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoy that. Vey is six ten, so he's only two inches shorter. Oh, okay. It's even better. That's Look not at that. that bad. Not even that bad, for sure. But. We're going to catch a break. I got to recuperate after that last imagery Joe put on my head. Uh, but we'll be back NBA as well as MLB NHL coming up right after what? this on the NBSB. 
The MVSP is proud to partner with the people of Eagle Village Incorporated. With over 50 years of experience helping and changing the lives of youth, there are opportunities for you to be the next to make a direct impact, including plenty of positions available, including summer staff, internships, and more. For more information, visit eaglevillage.org. Eagle Village, where potential source. And we're back from the break. Going to hop into some World Series action. Game one of the World Series is tonight. Houston Astros, Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies clinched their spot after beating the Padres in the NLCS. Houston is back at it after a clean sweep by the Yankees. Hate to see it. Was hoping that the Yankees were going to be able to go there. Give Aaron Judge a little bit more of a time to shine. But Trash Rows are back at it, Brandon. Hate to see it, but they're there. How are you feeling about this? I mean, I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I don't like it, but... I'm hoping the Phillies win. Uh, I don't like the Astros at all. Never will I, I don't think. But <laughs> I think the Phillies have kind of solidified themselves into a, a team that's going to probably contend with this one. Uh, Bryce Harper has just been, you know, the kid, basically. Getting the home run, clinching the spot, coming up clutch. That was just huge, huge plays. But Astros have just kind of been looking pretty solid throughout the whole year. I didn't, I, they didn't really make a whole lot of noise kind of with any record or anything like that. But... They still, you know, grinded out, got here against a Yankee team who I thought was really going to come in clutch. Garrett Cole kind of fell apart. Not really what you want to pay $275 million for, but, you know, I hate to see that for him. But Phillies, I think you're going to win this one. Yeah? That's that's my hope, but we'll see. Like, I think it's more just because I'm an Astros hater, but Philly, Philly hope. I think Philly's going to win. I hope they do because it would be such a great story. Uh, and, I mean, they're going to have to win um, some big games on the road if they want to do so. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, obviously Houston's going to be rocking with a lot of their hometown faithful, um, especially they're going to be packing the house once again with another World Series appearance. It seems like they're in almost every year. Yeah, that's um, huge, for, uh, huge for their owner, especially with money-making. Yeah. yeah. Minute Maid Park's going to be rocking. It is going to be. Mattress Mac, I'm sure, will be there. He's got some big dough on the on this mm. series, and I'm sure he's going to be rocking he, with his hometown he's team. He's a business mastermind. You know he what really he's is. doing? Yeah. Like the... If they win, do you get your money back on a whoever purchased like a three thousand dollars or more at his mattress store or whatever? Yeah. He's got they, a they get system. Their money back? And then he just bets like crazy amounts of money all the time. Yeah, that's how he stacks it up so fast. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's like insane. bigger than compound interest almost. Dude's crazy. But that's that's pretty much hard to beat. But I mean when you look back at the the trips for both of these teams to get here, uh, I mean, obviously the Astros sweeping the Yankees would really look like they were on their way to do some absolute damage. Yeah. I mean, it looked like it was going to be pretty nasty when they were just absolutely crushing Cleveland uh, in the ALDS matchup. But, I mean, the Astros have been all business, really. They've swept the Mariners in the ALDS, now sweeping the Yankees in the ALCS. I mean, their offense looks legit. Jordan Alvarez looks like what exactly you wanted him to be going into this postseason play. He's been He's been the guy. Uh, in the middle of the lineup that you want with base or with guys on base for, because you know he's going to get extra bases to really. I mean, just being able to put it out of the park in a lot of those big mm-hmm. scenarios has been huge for him, um, and a couple other guys too. I mean, like especially uh, Pena as far as his home run in the 18th inning, um, which really sent the Astros into a huge confidence going into the Yankees. Um, but I mean, the Phillies—they really shown up, and this is kind of reminds me a little bit. Um, I wouldn't call it like necessarily the same thing as uh, the Braves and the Strohs, but it kind of reminds me of the same thing a little bit as the Astros 
are the team that's obviously one of the top ranked teams. They're always going to be there. They pay a lot of money to keep their good players there. I mean, they yeah. got all these just absolutely incredible and phenomenal players all across the board in their lineup. I mean, you could name all of them if you wanted to with Altuve and Verlander, Alvarez and company. Uh, but, I mean, the Phillies are a team that have fundamentally played very well, but they've almost been almost more explosive than the Astros. Now, they've dropped a couple games yeah. along their staff and straight swept everybody, but, I mean, they won in five when, games. When they, when they win, it's usually, you know, four or five runs or more, you know, which is something that's, like, pretty valuable, I'd say, to see that, like, they're, when their bats are going to get hot, it's going to be a streak. It's not just going to be, you know, even when they lost against, uh, I think it was, what, game two, they still put five runs on the board. Mm-hmm. Astros this whole series, I think five was their most. They didn't get more than four after before that for games one, two, three, and four, or for games one, two, and three. I think five was five was the last game. So when you see kind of how explosive the Phillies can be, and especially when you got Schwarber, you got Castellanos, you got Harper, you got all those guys who are big bat abilities and can really just do some damage at the plate. Because all of them, you know, you don't want to pitch to them when he gets late in the season, late in the game. I mean, Reese Hoskins too was a home run or derby, almost runner up, I think, right back in the day. And you got JT Realmuto who can do some damage too. But you got a lot of these guys who can really really get their offense going and you know when you have them all spread out throughout the lineup and not just you know heavy on one side that's gonna be really valuable for them but you know Astros have a pretty great pitching staff I mean you got Verlander you got a lot of those guys who can you know take over a game that's why Astros have been a perennially good team for so long because their bullpen because their starters are so good and can last a long time and be so consistent it's the main reason why the Yankees were shut down yeah I think you look at this game both teams are going to be huge uh, with the bats. You know that going in, that mm-hmm. this could be a potential 8-7, 6-7 opener. Uh, it, it's just, I mean, at Minute Maid, you know that's going to be rocking, like we said, to start the series off. But uh, there was a really interesting stat that I was found when I was kind of looking into the matchup overall. Uh, and there was one stat that was very odd to me that I thought was really interesting. Um, it was the... The Astros have the third highest percentage in baseball of throwing four-seam fastballs with their pitching staff. Really? They have thrown the third highest amount of four-seam fastballs, uh, which is very interesting. The Phillies have the fifth highest WOBA, which is is a statistic that um, weighs in on base percentage, and basically compared to OPS as far as just being able to get on base against four-seam pitches. Like... But the Astros are ranked first. It's very interesting to see how these teams are very similar, and they're very selective. Mm-hmm. They're very uh, I, I, intuitive, maybe the word. I don't want to say intuitive in Houston in the same sentence because obviously it's discredited already, um, and I'm sure Joe will for sure uh, put that to the ground, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, we don't. We can get past that. Uh, but, I mean... I think you're going to see a lot of offense. I think defensively and pitching-wise yeah. is going to be really you're the difference see, in this one because I don't see either of these this offenses is going to be a toss back. This is going to be a toss back to like that Astros-Dodgers World Series where like it was pretty high up, that 12-13 game, yeah. game five a couple years ago. Yeah. Because Astros as well, I mean, Phillies, like we said, they got the offensive ability, but Astros are right there with them. Jose Altuve is a guy who, you know, if he gets four to five at-bats a game, you're going to see two hits. You're going to – we've seen him come in clutch. I mean, he's got a basically a 45-inch bat that he's waving around when he's the bat's almost as tall as 
him basically. But he's got the power to swing it. Alex Bregman can come in. Alex Bregman come in clutch. Jordan Alvarez can, Alvarez can come in clutch. Yuleski Gugliel. I mean, we've seen him with some powers throughout this whole year. So they're a team that can do some damage as well. I'm hoping for a pretty high scoring, high scoring series because yeah. that's going to be one huge for the game and two it's going to be big for the fans because I want to see some big high scoring some excitement some you know down to the wire type deal where you got to see big comebacks and really strong baseball being played for sure I think everybody would love to see that Philly got to play good defense they've been yes. statistically a terrible defensive team and I'm sure their fans are just they don't want to hear that but that's just uh, that's, that's just, just the, the way stats, they the numbers don't lie but uh, it'll certainly be a fun series. I mean, the Phillies definitely have an underrated pitching staff. Uh, Houston obviously has all the firepower in the world to really make it a dynasty. Um, but I think it's going to be a really good series. I'll be for sure watching this opening night game one um, as much as I can, or at least following along with it. Because uh, I think it's going to be a great series. I think it's good for Philadelphia. I mean, I'm sure their fans are ex- just ecstatic right now. Maybe not with the 76ers, but overall, the rest of the teams have been doing really well, including the Eagles. Um, so I think their fan base is stoked to watch their Phillies take yeah. on the Astros. The city of Philadelphia yeah, is not taking any L's right now. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think that's Kevin it's Hart's like that, pretty it's that happy. Tweet. It's like that tweet. Yeah, that tweet. It was like they couldn't spell out Philadelphia because they were... Yeah. Like, we're not going to take any L's right now. Yeah. You can't. You got to do everything you can. You just got to take the, you got to take the two out. You know yeah. what I mean? I wish we could have that feeling in Detroit. Wish yeah. One day. But, one day. lot of promise, we got, Joe. We got spoiled when we were young. So, no, we got to go through it as we're, as we're young adults. Little true. But, out of all the teams, Joe, I'm sure the one that you follow the most, and for sure, everybody's probably excited about the most, the Wings have been starting off pretty well despite circumstances i mean despite last night 5-1 loss against the bruins but i mean bruins are a team that are just really good red wings i think i said this i don't know if i said this on the podcast but i've been saying i think we're going to be a team that can really contend for the wild card this year uh but we've been playing pretty solid satterbond's been been a very pleasant surprise uh cider's been playing pretty well he hasn't had a whole lot of points but you know he's been playing pretty well it's the players that you know have kind of come out of nowhere like ron has been playing pretty well uh What's his face? Uh, Ernie's been playing pretty solid as well, getting some goals. Nadalkovich, I say this every time. He either is just crazy and get thirty-five saves a game, or he lets in you know six shot, six goals on twelve shots or something like. He's it's very much bipolar. No, it's very yeah, it's very much no in between. Yeah. But you know you're you're just gonna see some stuff. Philip Sedina has kind of been pretty well. I really want him to succeed because he's a guy that's you know. You know, has been he's been in the system. He was there in the Griffins. He was kind of built up throughout it. He's a guy that Eiserman likes, which is really good to see. But you can definitely tell the Eiser plan is coming to fruition. Uh, a lot shorter than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be maybe two or three more years until we were going to actually see a lot of success. But you know, when we've been able to play some of these good teams, like we've been able to play really well. I mean, three, two, and two. I thought we were going to be playing a little bit more hot, but you know, when we play the Blackhawks, lost to them, but. Against some of these good teams, like the Ducks, were kind of in the rebuild, but they've been kind of showing a little bit of promise, been able to beat them, beat the Devils 5-2 to two when they have a pretty good team, especially with Jack Hughes and them. Uh, Canadians we beat, who made it to the uh, Stanley Cup a few years ago, and we were pretty close, only OT loss against the Kings uh, 5-4, which that kind of sucked. But I think what you really got to see is what we're able to do. I mean, I think we've killed off eight. What was it? I think against uh, the Devils, it was like 18 straight power plays that we killed off. Mm-hmm. Our penalty kill has been lights out so far this year. Uh, I think it's just going to be 
finishing on the breakaway is a big one because there's been a lot of times where we haven't been able to do anything with that. Uh, but Brandon, loving what we're seeing so far. Love it. Absolutely. I've been able to watch a couple of the games, and unfortunately one of those was the Blackhawks game that we Tough should looks. have won. Tough looks. But it happens. It happens. You can, they certainly learn from it, and they really put the hammer down against the Ducks the next night. So uh, I think that we've seen a lot of great things. Uh, I mean, Kubik's look really good as well. I mean, he's right now our points leader at 10 points, mm-hmm. and I don't think that was – It was crazy. I don't think he was being anticipated as the leading point scorer to any <sighs> no. uh, Wings fan overall. But, uh, I mean, obviously – with the, with the I mean Dylan Larkin being a little banged up, uh, and then you have obviously uh, the Verona situation, uh, and then like it's kind of tough going in the situation with some of these guys out. But I mean we're so much deeper than last year, and I think that's really yeah, the difference of what we've thing. seen early on. Yeah, we've been really building up the depth, which is good because we had such a we had such a polar opposite of our first line and second line compared to our fourth line that really whenever we were out with our fourth line and there was just an odd chance that any other team's first line got out there against them, it was almost a guaranteed goal. I mean, we saw that against Arizona, who really wasn't good last year, but their first line was sort of okay. Uh, they just rolled our fourth line whenever it got out there, and there was just like such a bad disconnect between I think and also Nadalkovic kind of just had bad games here and there more often than not when he had good games but you know we'll see how it goes we will see how it goes it's a long season but right now so far at the start we're looking pretty Pretty promising pretty promising so far and I'm sure like Detroit fans like I mean especially for us being Detroit fans we don't want to hear like oh this is different this is different because we've heard that spiel before 17 times but as somebody that looked back and watched early games from last year, and I mean, especially from mm-hmm. uh, the Pistons' perspective as well, they haven't started off the greatest, but they look better. Like, both yeah. of these teams look as younger, see- more explosive, and they look like more promising mm-hmm. teams overall. You see consistent build. That's correct. What it, That's what it is. really the biggest problem, and the, unfortunately the Lions have the best consistency, and it's just a bad one. Yeah. And it's just really frustrating. But uh, I think there's definitely a lot to look up for uh, overall for Detroit, and I think you can see a lot of that. The Pistons are, are starting to get going a little bit, um, and it'll certainly be interesting to see how they go from there. I mean, obviously uh, winning one of their first games, but they've kind of been on a skid since then, but... Uh, with Jade and Ivy banged up, I'm sure they're going to be a little cautious moving forward. But we're starting to see the foundation being built, bricklayer a little bit. But we got to get some superstars to really mm-hmm. propel this team forward. By we brick. either build or buy. Yeah, it's interesting though because I don't think I mean we didn't really see Eiserman do a whole lot of buying down in uh, what's it called? Oh no, Tampa. He he, he was more of a build guy, which I think is a good thing, but also a bad thing because when you have guys like Mort Sider and Lucas Raymond, who are still on rookie contracts, and Elmer Soderblom, who in the next couple of years is going to need a bigger contract. Spending a little bit is going to kind of be the main thing that we got to do. But also, I'm not a GM, so I can't really say anything. I've never had that experience, so he no. knows what he's doing. But, you know, with salary cap-wise, I think we have we have space. It's just I think making moves needs to be done because Iserman's, uh not resume. Is it resume with draft picks? Uh kind of. Whatever. His yeah, whatever it is. I can't I can't think of the word. I, I, need, to, I need to look up a dictionary or something like that <laughs> a little bit to I, be able to get my I know where you're going with this. Vernacular yes, a little bit up. But anyways, his reputation with draft picks has been very high. Mm-hmm. He has not missed on a lot of draft picks. But the thing is, what if he misses two in a row? 
Like, what if a first-round draft pick doesn't do well, and then our second-round draft pick doesn't do well, and then we just have waste a year, basically. And then that's just another year where salary has to build up and stuff. Like, we'll have Larkin probably for the rest of his career. I mean, we're probably never going to trade that guy. I we'll hope. Pro- I hope. Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, we got Sider, who I think only has one or two more years on his rookie contract. Lucas Raymond only has one or two more years on his rookie contract. So making a move now is going to be the big time, especially for future longevity, especially just with salary-wise, is going to be the big move. I don't know if it's going to be you know, sticking to the draft and develop plan or if we're going to try to get a superstar here and there, but we'll see. Yeah, I think for sure. I think we have room for a superstar, uh, but I think we got to wait for the right one because I, I think what really kind of was... Uh, I mean, especially for the Pistons, I think what Troy Weaver does is very exciting. I mean, we make moves all the time, which, I mean, is super cool from a fan's perspective. But sometimes we bring in guys that we don't need, you know what I mean? Uh, And, I mean, sometimes, like, especially um, from years past, I mean, the Tigers are obviously a little notorious for this as of recently. But bringing in guys for too high of deals that don't fit very well. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, Javi Baez can be the number one example. But I think when you look at the Wings... I mean, they're very, they're very articulate. They're very, very precise with their moves. They know exactly where fit needs, yeah. and I think that's the difference when you have Stevie Y in there. I'm not saying like previous GMs aren't capable of doing that, but as a former player in this system, and certainly has seen how a lot of these players have developed alongside of him over time, he knows very well if a young player has the capability of filling that spot two years down the road with development. I think he mm-hmm. has a much better idea um, than some of our previous GMs have. And not saying they weren't bad GMs, yeah. but he, that little, like getting Stevie Y, I know like Brent Bings fans talk about it so much, but you can already see like this team is just very, very smooth. All the lines fit together. Obviously you have injuries and so whatever that happens, but there's no gaping holes on this roster. It might not be the top-tier team, but we are very good across the board at a lot of different categories. There's not a whole lot of places where we're just flat-out bad at, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the Phillies, obviously, they're one of the best offenses. They don't have one of the best defenses. And as far yeah, as baseball is concerned, we don't have that, where we have a gaping category. It's just we just got to slowly build the lineup higher and higher. Yeah, and I think, too, I mean, you look at it, Detroit's never really been a, a – a city where we've paid for a lot, like other than baseball, I feel like is when we got guys that we brought in. But yeah, that's kind of Red Wings. I can't even with the. I can't even remember last time Red Wings like paid for somebody like a superstar. Oh like yeah, we've. I mean, we drafted Zetterberg. Yeah, we drafted Lidstrom. Yeah, we drafted Osgood. We draft. Did we draft Osgood? I can't remember. I want to say we did. I think we did. Drafted Jimmy Howard. So a lot of our main guys and our iconic Red Wings that we've had have been build-up guys have been system guys that we've drafted and kind of built up throughout the ranks, you know, with whether it might be Toledo, whether it might be Grand Rapids. We built them up through the system, and I think that's a good thing, but especially when you look at where we are right now, you can make the case for trying to buy a team, buy a guy that's, like, big. I mean, I thought we were going to try to make a push for Johnny Hockey, to be honest. Yeah? To, I mean, he was a guy that could really take over a game with his abilities with a with a puck, but... Didn't get him. He went to Columbus. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, yeah. it's interesting. But. Yeah. I think the last, maybe not the the last, the, one of the more notable moves we made was adding Marion Hossa. Would probably be the one. Yeah. That would be under that that's category. Probably, yeah, but that's like the last one. Yeah. But, but it wasn't like a, 
it wasn't like a big move though. Like, I mean, that was all the way back in 2009. I'm trying to, because I think it would have been uh, Ken Holland yeah. that was the GM. I mean, at the we time. made some we made some trades for guys from like Tampa and stuff like in the off season, but I don't really know who we really did much with. Yeah, because like 2009, I mean, they signed Hosa. Um, yeah. they signed a couple other guys. Like they kept Brad Stewart. I guess Stahl uh, was a big one. Yeah, Stahl was kind of one. But, that, but he was still like past his prime, you know? Like, yeah, he we got him more on the cheap than we could have in years past. But yeah, I feel like we haven't really gotten a guy who's like still in his prime. Yeah, you know? we're like, not. We, kind of gotten, we have not made a move in the last 10 years where we've signed him Connor McDavid for an 80 plus million dollar contract. But maybe like some of these other teams. Maybe have done. that's maybe that's the move, though. Get some of these older guys who have been in the league for a long time to help develop our rookies. Maybe yeah. that's what the plan is. I don't know, but hey, I trust the Stevie White. Plan, I would, man. hey, so do I. Hey, I'm not a hater. All right, I'm not a denier of the Iser plan. Let's I'm just saying, get after it. Wings. I'm just, I'm just tossing out. If Iserman is somehow listening to the podcast, I'm just giving him options about what. <laughs> yeah, giving options. Hey, you never know. I mean, Joe needs a job. He could, you could that work in true. the Wings front office. Yeah, that would me. be great. I run a fantasy football team. I know a little bit about being a GM. <laughs> Wait, how's your team doing right now? Hey, don't even talk about it. Okay. Three and, three and four. Three and four. Oh, that's not bad. Okay. Yeah, Josh Allen didn't play, and so did Dawson, so, so didn't Dawson Knox. Yeah, that's... So didn't the Philadelphia defense. Yeah, that kind of happens. So, so. I, I went through an absolute, like, just trudge Everybody's, of mud last week with a lot of my Eagles and Bills players. Everybody has a bad week sometimes. Yeah, and this week I got to deal with the Chargers, too, because I have... Uh, uh, I have Eckler, Allen, and Herbert in one league. I kind of went all in on the Chargers offense in that league, but that's just the way the board fell. I knew I was going to take an L uh, last week, but hey, we're still with a winning record, and that's all that matters. And Absolutely. it's just fantasy football. That's true. So good luck to y'all in fantasy football. Make sure you check out the Ferris Fantasy Show with me, Joe, and Brody Kaiser. Um, that'll be coming up next week as well. We do a lot of great stuff. We do some we do some redrafts. We do some analysis. We do some rankings. We just have a good time. We do have a good time. We, we just chat fantasy. Time, man. So you want to talk, you want to hear numbers and analytics, we'll bring them all to you as well as recaps, and you can check that out. Go to our link tree um, where all of our show stuff is for social media, YouTube, all of our podcast platforms. Go to the very bottom. It's right there. You might have missed it the first time, but you can get access to that podcast Absolutely. and more. That's going to wrap it up today here on October 28th. Brandon and Joe back in the studio once again. Make sure you follow for more shows. Knock on wood, no more technological yeah, no more, no more challenges. No more technical or anything like that. And we have to take a week and a half off. That was not Not, not ideal. Prime. We didn't want not to do ideal. it for y'all. Yeah. We, we hope we enjoyed the, the YouTube clips, though, for sure. I mm-hmm. mean, we got a lot of response on that, Joe. Apparently, people want a new track. And you know what? I'm all for it. I think it'd be I cool. I want Yeah, dude. I want a new track. Kidding me? I don't even run on that thing. Yeah, <laughs> you want a new track? Yeah. Hey, maybe one day. Maybe one day. But until next see. time. Take care, everybody.